0: Would you turn with me to Philippians chapter 1? Philippians chapter 1 Have you ever been faced with a choice between two good things? Two good things. Let's see which shall I choose. Can I you know when when my wife says, "Do you want cookies or brownies?" Yes, is my answer. It's not easy to make a decision when faced with two good options, is it? In the text before us this morning, we see Paul here in Philippians, in Philippians 1, he found himself in a situation where if the choice were left to him, he'd have a difficult time deciding. He'd have a difficult time knowing how to choose. You see, Paul was torn between being with Jesus in heaven and being on earth to continue to preach the gospel of Christ. And the question for him was, would it be better to live? Or would it be better to die? I want you to look with me at how Paul put it here in Philippians 1. Go to verse 21 and follow with me through verse 26. I hope you have your copy of God's Word with you and you follow along with me in it. Philippians 1, verse 21 and following, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain, says Paul. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Now, when we see what Paul is forced to think about and what he is faced with here and think about, he's thinking about this dilemma, I think that sometimes we might think, well, what's the problem? What's the problem, Paul? What's the dilemma? When we think like human beings think, when we think in fleshly terms, what do we say? Well, we say, I'm going to the doctor. (laughs) I'm not ready yet, right? We say, I'm taking my vitamins. I'm going to eat. You never say you're going to eat healthy, do you? We don't say it would be far better for me to die, but it would be good for you if I were to stay. We don't often think that way, do we? We would, we would say, what's the dilemma? What's the dilemma? It would be far better for you to stay, wouldn't it? would it be far better for you to live? And it would be natural for us to think that, but Paul's focus wasn't on his natural desires. He wasn't thinking only. He was thinking in fleshly terms, but he wasn't only thinking in fleshly terms, was he? You see, Paul had a perspective that was fixed on Christ. He had a perspective that he faced every day with a perspective being eternal purposes. Why am I alive today? I'm alive because God wants me to serve Him today. And he was thinking of eternity and his investment in today for eternal purposes. And we can see here both Paul's purpose in living... Which was to glorify Christ, and we can see here his heart for the church. He was concerned about others. And so he's drawn between the two. He'd say, ah, I'd really like to, I'd really like to go see Jesus. But yet, I know the church could use my help. I know that God's people could use encouragement, and I want to do that also. So he longs to be with Christ, whom he loves, and he lives for. But his eternal perspective means that he is also concerned for the welfare of the church. He is concerned for the welfare of his brothers and sisters in Christ, and he is not wrong to feel that way. And this Christ-honoring perspective of Paul's is what leads to his joy, I'm convinced. He He is at peace even though he doesn't know what would be the best choice because he knows God is in control. So Paul lives to honor and glorify Christ as he serves Christ in Christ's church. And he wants others in the church to know this same joy. And he knows that their joy depends on their serving to glorify Christ also. He wants them to see that clearly. God wants us to see this clearly in the scriptures today, which we know Paul longs for. He longs to honor the Lord. He longs for God's people to also honor the Lord with their lives. And according to verse 25, we can see that because he says he's, he's serving for their progress and joy in the faith. Progress and joy of faith. So let's look first at Paul's heart. His heart for Christ. Christ. And we ought to look at Paul's heart for Christ that we might have the same passion to serve and glorify Christ that he had and so that we might know the same joy Paul knew. We face hardships, don't we? We were reminded of that this morning when we received word of Wendy Myas leaving this earth, right? And we were reminded of the difficulties that her husband, Les, and her brother, John, are going to face in the days ahead. It's hard for us to think of losing a family member of our church. At the same time, we stop and say, but, but, she's far better off now. And it, we would only want her back selfishly because she's far better off now. Paul's heart for Christ brought him great joy. His focus was on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was able to face very uncertain times. He was in prison. He was facing possible martyrdom for his faith in Christ, and yet at the same time, it's possible he might be freed. (laughs) What uncertainty, what hardship and difficulty, which we have never known, I think, right? We've never faced execution for our faith. And here he was, and yet he knew great joy, and he wanted the church, he wanted God's people to know the same thing, but his passion for Christ gave him a singular focus, and I want you to see that first, because this is important. If you want the joy that Paul knows, if you want the joy in this life through faith in Christ that Paul experiences, and we see many other in God's word experience, and this joy that we know can be ours, we need to see his his heart for Christ, which is really seen in his purpose for living, which was to honor and glorify Christ. Look at verses 21 and 22 again. You can see it here. When he says, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And verse 22, But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor. In other words, as Paul faced possible execution for his faith in Christ, he knew... That if he lived, it would mean he could go on telling others about Christ. He could go on preaching. He could go on making the good news known. He could go on preaching the gospel. And if he were martyred for his faith in Christ, well, that would mean he knew that in his death, the good news of Christ would also be proclaimed. He knew either way, the gospel would be advanced. And he was fine with either one. And we can see Paul's heart for Christ in verse 23 also. He had a, look at verse 23, he had a desire to depart and be with Christ because he knew that leaving this earth in death meant being with Christ for all eternity with sin behind him. Won't that be the day? I think sometimes I long for heaven for for one of the greatest reasons is so that I don't have to fight sin anymore in my own life. How about you? You ever think about that? You'll be done with sin. Paul knew that. And he's thinking, I I would love to just be with Christ. He had a desire to depart and be with Christ because he knew that leaving this earth in death meant being with Christ for all eternity. Yes. Where all sin and suffering is gone, praise God, and every tear wiped away. Praise the Lord, right? Which would be far better than life In this, sometimes we look around and we see a sin-filled suffering world and we see all the problems and the heartache and the difficulties which we feel at times almost powerless to do anything about. And we say, even so, come Lord Jesus. Commentator Matthew Henry knew this truth also and it's seen very clearly in the words that he wrote. He wrote these words that he wanted others to have read to them after his passing. He wanted those who mourned him in death to hear these words. He says, Would you like to know where I am? I am at home, in my father's house, in the mansions prepared for me here. I am where I want to be, no longer on the stormy sea, but in God's safe, quiet harbor. My sowing time is done And I am reaping. My joy is as the joy of harvest. Would you like to know what I'm doing? I see God. Not as through a glass darkly, but face to face. I am engaged in the sweet enjoyment of my precious Redeemer. I am singing hallelujahs to Him who sits upon the throne. And I am constantly praising Him. Would you know what blessed company I keep? It is better than the best on earth. Here are the holy angels and the spirits of just men made perfect. I am with many of my old acquaintances with whom I, I uh, worked and prayed and who have come here before me. Lastly, would you, would you know how long this will continue? It is a dawn that never fades. After millions and millions of ages, it will be as fresh as it is now, therefore, weep not for me, and that was Paul's attitude. Don't be sorry for me if I die, that's my gain. Paul certainly knew that he'd be far better off personally to depart and be with his Saviour. You see death for the follower of- follower of Christ is not a loss. We grieve don't we? We mourn. We do. But it's not a loss for the follower of Christ, for the believer in Jesus Christ. It is victory. It is gain. Because at death the believer enters the presence of the Lord and they are freed from this fallen world, freed from the chains and bondage of sin that they had fought all their life. So even though we find it hard to think this way, and we do, don't we? We find it hard to think this way. Paul didn't dread what lie ahead. We find it difficult to think of death because of of our fleshly desires, right? The things that we enjoy here on earth. Even though we find it hard to think this way, but because of our faith in Christ, we can know, as Paul did, that death truly is far better for one who knows Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, far better. Note also that Paul didn't fear death either. He didn't He didn't dread it. He wasn't speaking about his death with dread. He wasn't speaking about it as... Oh my, you know, if that happens, what, you know, what will I do or what will others do about me? No, he was thinking of his death as a way for God to get the glory. You see, all who have the same purpose in life that Paul had to honor and glorify Christ can also look forward not only to their eternal life with the Lord Jesus Christ and the absence of sin, but they can look forward to their death being a testimony to God's goodness and greatness and without fear of death there is there is an opportunity for us to to encourage others before we go to put their faith in Christ the familiar john 3:16 makes it clear for god so loved the world right we say it we know it he he gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. And we look forward to that day. And we can be a powerful testimony to others who might have fear about death. And So you don't need to fear death either if you understand like Paul did that God gives eternal life to all who believe in His Son. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ came to earth. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross for our sins, and He took the punishment that each of us deserved. And if you will believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you will have everlasting life, and you need not fear death. So the question is, of course, have you given your life to Christ? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ? I would I would not want to pass this point this morning without saying, if you don't know Christ, do not wait. Trust Him now. You can do it right where you sit in prayer, asking the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you your sins and save your soul. And you can praise God that God answers that prayer with salvation and eternal life. And think of it. Through faith in Christ, you have no fear of death. Through faith in Christ, you have not a need or a worry to to worry about eternal punishment, separation from God. You'll be able to rejoice with Matthew Henry who said, don't be sorry for me. I'm at home. And if you have trusted Christ, here's another question. Do you have peace and joy? Do you have peace and joy? You see, it's possible to have faith in Christ and lack peace. It's possible to have faith and say, I believe I'm just struggling. That's possible. To lack joy, it's possible to lack the peace that's yours in Christ because you know that whether God chooses to bring you home to heaven or leave you here on earth as his ambassador, it is for God's glory either way. And sometimes we lose sight of that. And when we lose sight of that, we lose joy. And often we lose sight of that because we become disobedient and we depart from the things of God's word. We depart from the truth of God's word and we start living the way we feel we want to live We start living the way that we see others around us living, and we depart from the truth of God's Word. And guess what happens? We begin to lose our confidence in God's promises. We begin to lose the peace that God gives. We begin to lose the joy that God promises those who honor and obey Him. And sometimes it's hard. It's certainly hard to have joy when all we can think about is maybe it's your failing health. Maybe it's your troubling financial situation, maybe it's a difficulty in your family and all you can seem to think about are those problems and joy can escape you then. If we lose our joy because we're forgetting that as followers of Christ, we are to live and honor and glorify Christ no matter what happens. See, that was Paul's perspective. He was looking at his hardship and difficulty and yet he was focused on Christ and honoring Christ even in the midst of so many uncertainties, we often lose our joy because we forget to look at Christ. We forget to keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ and what He has finished once for all, for all those who have faith in Him. And if you have a heart that longs to be with Christ, you're going to have a passion for serving Christ and making Him known, and that will give you a completely different perspective about your problems about your troubles. You'll see them as opportunities to respond with faith, to respond with obedience for God's glory, that others might see Christ clearly. And so we learn, and we're challenged, I think. We're challenged by Paul's heart for Christ, that we too need a heart for Christ. We too need to keep our eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ. We learn, and we're challenged to think right, about our difficulties, to think right about our present circumstances, to not lose hope. You see, his passion, Paul's passion for making known the gospel of Jesus Christ, gave him purpose. Purpose in life and in death, which brings us to a second point. You see, his passion for making known the gospel of Jesus Christ also gave him a heart for the church. Selfishly, he was thinking, in death... (laughs) i'm far better off i'm in heaven i get to see jesus but but i'm looking at the church i know that there are other believers who could use my encouragement and i and i think that they would be helped if i were to stay and so i'm torn between the two so note paul's heart for the church note again that in verse 22 he writes if i live on in this flesh this will mean fruit from my labor so paul knows It's possible he could be released from prison. It's possible he could no longer face execution for preaching the gospel. And if that does happen, he knows that that means he'll be able to continue being fruitful with the gospel. Notice that he's not looking for a vacation. (laughs) He's not looking to retire from the faith. He's not saying, look, you know, I'm really suffering here, and when this is done and behind me, if I get out of here, I'm not looking back. No, he, he was thinking, if I'm, if I am freed, now I'm, I'm, I'm just going to kick it up a notch and I'm going to keep preaching the gospel. I'm going to keep making Christ known. And though he longs to be with Christ, we can also see in verse 24 that he also longs to serve Christ's church. Look at verse 24. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. He's not patting himself on the back here. He knows that God has put him in this place and God is using him to advance the gospel and he knows that if God keeps him here, it's to keep doing what he's been doing, to keep serving the church and serving Christ. And we can see what he's thinking as, as we look at verse 25, he's confident that it would be helpful for the church for him to remain and continue his ministry with them and it Almost appears that he, that he believes he will re, he will remain. Look at verse twenty five. You would read that and you think, well, he's confident he's going to stay there. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith. Now, some have wondered if Paul's confidence at this point is because God has given him a little insight, you know, a little a little glimpse of his future. And Paul says, okay, I know the future. I don't think that's what's happening here. He's not confident because God has shown him the future. If you look at verse 27, and we didn't read verse 27, but if you look at verse 27, Paul says, So that whether I come and see you or am absent. So even in the midst of this confidence about what God is going to use him for, he's still not sure whether he's coming or going. He's not sure if he's going to see Christ or if he's going to see the church again. And so he's not certain at this point whether or not he'll be able to go to the Philippians and minister to them. But I love the picture of his confidence here, because even though his circumstances are, are up in the air, so to speak, he knows his faith is on the solid rock of Christ. And he says, I'm confident that, that I'm gonna continue on and help you. And I think a part of this, too, is that he knows that even if he perishes, his, his martyrdom will help the church. He knows that his even having his life taken will be a help to the church. And if God chooses that, then that's what he'll take because he knows that too will help the church. But what I think we're seeing here is that Paul was convinced in his own mind that it would be best for him to remain. It would be best, I think, if I were to stay. But it's clear to Paul also that ultimately his future was in God's hands. God's in control, says Paul. And God would certainly do what was best. Whatever God chooses is what's best. What a great attitude, I think. What a necessary attitude for God's children today. Whatever God chooses is what I'm going to be content with, what I'm going to praise him over. And we're seeing here that he he was hard-pressed between these two possibilities, like being torn between choosing only one of two good choices, and he's torn because... He cares about the people he's serving and he's willing to continue his ministry with them. And yet he loves the Lord Jesus Christ and he longs to be in glory with Christ. And I think Paul's Christ-like desire to serve the church, ministering to them and ministering alongside those in the church is really another reason for his joy. Do you want joy in the Lord? Do not neglect the ministry that God has given you in the church you realize that God has variously gifted us. In other words, he's gifted us differently. Many in, many of us in the church do not have the same gifts of others. Some of our gifts are similar and overlap. But some of the gifts that God has given his people in his church are meant to serve and work together. And when we withhold ourselves from ministering alongside our brothers and sisters in Christ, not only do we do harm to our brothers and sisters in Christ, but we do harm to ourselves. We lose God's blessing because we're not obeying. We lose the peace that passes all understanding when we disobey and we face hardship. And we lose joy that's ours, that's promised us when we honor God with our obedience. And I think Paul's Christ-like desire to serve the church, minister to these people, and along with these people, led to a great amount of joy for, for Paul because he was being obedient to God, and God was blessing him with peace, blessing him with joy. And our faith in Christ will lead to our joy also. When we become a child of God through faith in Christ, God doesn't say, great, you've arrived here's your ticket to paradise, you can now take it easy, right? No, he leaves us here. Often God leaves us here for many years, right? And God says, you have entered into my presence, you have have accepted the joy and peace and forgiveness of sins that's yours in Jesus Christ. Now get busy, (laughs) serve, be faithful, be obedient. Take in the truths of God's word. Encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ. Take the gifts that I've given you and invest them for eternal purposes in the work of the church, in the work of spreading the gospel. You know how we need to hear this today, that many of us are going to leave this place today and we're going to get up tomorrow morning and we're going to go to work. And some of us say, I have to go to work. Some of us say, if you're like Pharaoh, I get to go to work, right? But I think as believers in Christ, we should all say, I get to go to the mission field today. I get to go do my ministry. I'm going to go punch the clock or do whatever I do. I'm going to go to the job, and I'm going to go do my work for the Lord Jesus Christ. And if I'm harmed in some way, let it be because I'm being obedient to God. And if... And if I'm praised in some way, let God get the praise because I've been obedient to Him and I'm working and serving to honor Him. And our faith, our obedience will lead to our joy when we look at life that way, when we say, Monday, I love Monday, it's another opportunity to start my week of service to the Lord. And Sunday is your opportunity to come and be refreshed and recharged for that. you realize that? Because we need a, a fresh A fresh filling of faith, a fresh filling of courage as we're reminded of the truths of God's word and we leave this place renewed and refreshed and ready to serve God wherever he puts us Monday morning. You see, Paul knew that as long as he was breathing, he would be serving the Lord. Do you realize that's your calling? As long as God gives you breath, you serve him. Serve for his glory. And guess what he does? He gives faith and strength and joy. And Paul knew that as long as he was breathing, he'd be serving the Lord. That was his sole purpose in life. He wanted to faithfully and obediently serve and honor and glorify the Lord. Now, why would he want to do that? And if you're a follower of Christ and you know the gospel, you'd say, well, why not? Because the Lord had done so much for Paul. Why Why would I not want to serve and honor and glorify the Lord with my life? Because the Lord Jesus Christ has done so much for me, saving me from my sin. I could never do that. You could never do that. God has been so gracious. And Paul knew that. Paul, of all people, if you know his story, he was Saul. He was Saul the persecutor of the church, the persecutor of Christians, seeking to destroy what God had set in motion through the church and through the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, in God's mercy and grace, arrested Paul on the road to Damascus and very seriously got his attention, and Saul became Paul through faith in Christ and became a an incredible witness for the Lord Jesus Christ became an incredible example of faithfulness and godliness through hardship and difficulty, and so Paul loved the Lord Jesus Christ, and he wanted his life to be about honoring Christ. But Paul also cared for the church, but that was that was growing out of his love for Christ. you realize that? It really does all grow and stem from our love for Christ. Do you want to serve the church? Do you want to serve others in the church? If not, you better go back and check and see whether you really want to honor Christ. If you want to honor Christ, you're going to want to honor those in the church, the body of Christ. You're going to want to serve along with them. You're going to want to encourage them and help them and equip them. You see, Paul desperately, deeply cared about people He had a heart for serving Christ's church, and he practiced the words that he preached, which is what we need to do. You know, we say we believe and we have faith and we believe in God's word. We just need to practice those words that we preach, right? Paul did that. If you go to Philippians 2 and look at verses 3 and 4, he says this to the church, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. And this was why Paul was torn between departing and being with Christ or remaining and continuing his ministry to the church. Elsewhere, Paul says, imitate me, because I'm imitating Christ. And, And the words here in Philippians 2 are saying that. This is my heart. I don't want to do anything out of rivalry and conceit. I want to, in humility, count others as more significant than myself. I want to look not to my own interest, but I want to look to the interest of others. And Paul did that. And this was why Paul was torn between departing and being with Christ or remaining and continuing his ministry to the church. And this same attitude was also a cause for Paul's true joy because he wasn't looking at himself. He was looking at Christ, and because he was looking at Christ, he was looking to the church and others. He truly loved the Lord with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength, and he loved his neighbor as himself. Paul's heart for Christ and the church is evident in, in this passage that we've been looking at this morning here in Philippians 1. He loved God. He loved people. It's obvious in much much more of his writing that we have in the New Testament, that he loved God dearly and he loved people. And as long as Paul lived, he wasn't content to just sit on the sidelines and watch others do the Lord's work. His love for Christ motivated him and drove him to obedient fruitfulness. You see, if you're obedient, you'll be fruitful and joyful. That was Paul. Joy was his, it was a gift from God. Joy will be yours as a gift from God when you honor him, when you make Christ number one, when you make Christ and serving him your focus. And through that, you will begin to love others as you should. You will begin to love the church as you should. You'll begin to see your place in the church to serve God faithfully and obediently, honoring him and working and and ministering for peace and in the midst of God's people, so that the gospel will be advanced in this community and even further. And because Paul had a heart for Christ and for the church, he knew that the Philippian believers would be rejoicing if he came to them again. Look at verse 26. So that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. I think that ought to be our desire also. I mean, listen to that again. So that in me you may have ample cause to glorify glory in who, in Christ Jesus, because of my coming to you again. That should be our desire. That others will rejoice to have us serve alongside them. We ought to be the kind of people who others look to and say. Oh, I am so blessed by their their presence. I am so thankful to God for their faithfulness and their obedience. They are such a blessing and encouragement. Praise God. You ever think that way? You ever think, I want to be a blessing to others. I don't want to be a hindrance to somebody's faith. I don't want to be a discouragement to others. I want to be a blessing. It's one of the things I often tell my children because often uh, children of a pastor often uh, they are expected to be pastors you know be in ministry full time and i constantly tell them i can't tell you to be a pastor only god can do that i can't tell you to be a missionary only god can do that but i can tell you this god wants you to honor him and obey him with your life so whatever you choose as a profession be faithful to god obey him be a help in the church don't be a hindrance be a joy to your pastor and to your to your leadership your deacons and trustees and those who serve you help them help them to be happy that they are with you and you have them you have they have you in your their presence and i said we enjoyed some time with kevin and angela your son and daughter-in-law yesterday and i uh, was so encouraged to hear some of the things that they're enjoying in their church. And I said, keep doing that. And no matter what happens in your church, always make your pastor happy that you're there. <laughs> make the people happy that you're serving alongside them. You know that we ought to do that. we ought to look to each other and say, I want to make them rejoice to see me. How can I serve them? How can I help them see Christ more clearly? How can I encourage them? How can I strengthen them and give them hope and help for today? That ought to be our desire, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus. Not glory in us, don't get me wrong, that others would see Christ in us. What glory and honor Christ will receive and what joy will be ours when others give praise to God because of the faithfulness of our lives. What glory God will get, what praise Jesus will receive. Your faithfulness to God will be a blessing to others and will mean great joy for you. God will see to it. God will not leave you absent of joy if you're obedient. I promise that. His word promises that. May it be our prayer that we would know true joy because our true passion in life is for serving Christ alone. We sang it in Christ alone, right? He is our hope, our strength, our all, our solid ground. He is our rock, right? How could we not want to make him known this week with our obedience, with our lives by honoring him and praising him, no matter what happens, come what may, come whatever difficulties, whether in life or in death, may it be our prayer that we would know true joy because our true passion in life is serving Christ faithfully and serving others for the honor and glory that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will receive when we're faithful and God will give you joy. Let's pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, precious Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you today that even as we've been thinking about Paul's perspective on life and death, what a fresh encouragement and a reminder that our sister in Christ, Wendy Myas, rejoices with you. In glory today, her her eternal reward is hers today, and we praise you that you keep your promises. And God, I pray that you would help us as a church to humble ourselves before your word as you've spoken to us through your word today. I pray that you would help us to honor you by our obedience this week, that we would leave this place refreshed and encouraged ready to receive the joy that's, that's promised us when we honor you with our obedience. And whatever we face, whatever trials and hardships and difficulties, give us faith, give us strength. We pray as we look to your word, your promises, as we take great courage and hope from from we know we have the indwelling presence of of God, the Spirit in us, helping us. And we'll praise you and honor you and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ, and may our joy be full. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.